It's our wrap of the top business stories that are moving markets on this Thursday, and I'm joined uh, by someone who's certainly no stranger to you all, analyst at Mergence Investment Managers, Nolwandle Mtombeni. We spoke to Nolwandle last week, and uh, she was uh, deep within the self-isolation, deep within the social uh, distancing, and I certainly hope you're feeling a lot better this week, Nolwandle. I am. How are you doing, man? I'm much, much better. I actually only came out yesterday. Okay. Um, yeah. Out of quarantine too. yesterday? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. That being said, Nolwanje, I want us maybe to uh, take a look uh, just quickly here at uh, some uh, interesting news uh, coming out uh, in relation to coronavirus and even company news before we get to the big story of the day, which is uh, that 100 basis point rate cut by the South African Reserve Bank. And uh, just talking about that company news, let's maybe start off here with... Um, uh, Continental Telecoms player MTN completing the sale of uh, uh, some of the entities, uh, one being in Ghana and uh, the other in Uganda, and they're certainly uh, getting somewhat of a windfall on the back of this. Yes. So um, I think last year um, they did announce, I think in March last year, they had announced that they're going to embark on the asset realization program where they ultimately will raise cash and reduce debt through many asset sales. And that's what they've been on a journey to doing. And this is just part of that three-year plan of reducing reducing debt, strengthening up the balance sheet through sell, selling different assets that they have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just talk to me about this, I guess, in the bigger context of uh, a company that has not only been challenged by regulatory issues, uh, but also in, in, in a context of slowing global demand. Uh, as a consumer-facing industry, they would certainly have had some challenges there. Uh, they have declared a dividend, but uh, it's quite clear here that they're trying over a long period of time uh, to maybe de-gear themselves and to pay off some of that debt. So if you look back in the history of MTN, what it did was start obviously in South Africa and then it started expanding throughout the African continent as well as other um, emerging market countries. Um, and, you know, back in the day, going out and being in as many countries as possible was the way to go. Mm. And it's not just unique to, to any telecoms or even any South African company, but globally that's exactly what's happened. But in recent times, you know, there's been increased regulation, increased competition. The dynamics are very, very different to where these companies started, for example, like 15 years ago. So what do you find for many, many businesses now? They have to sort of get smaller in order to get bigger. And that's exactly what, you know, you know, Anton is doing in terms of rationalization. They are starting to exit the less profitable operations because you find yourself having spread out into about 30 different countries of only really maybe only 10 of those markets are really where you can see long-term growth and profitability and it's, it's not worth your time being in other ones. So in Anton's case, you know, they've decided, you know, they've got many associates and many joint investors, many of these little holdings that they've got that actually if they think from a long-term strategic point, mm. they don't need to be in this region. They're very cash generative, so selling these stakes. Um, and, you know, the telecoms are very good assets, so it can attract good multiples. Yeah. And we've seen how regulation has become bit them in, you know, bit them in, the, in the neck, you know, in terms of Nigeria, mm. when you have been in all these regions. So it is effort and time to be in a place in different countries. Sure. And, you know, regulation has just gotten worse than ever now. So, you know, being able to get out of these regions Realize that cash and straighten up the balance sheet after, you know, it got impacted by Nigeria has been the right solution for them. And that's what they've been doing. Yeah. So ultimately, although they're getting smaller, it's 
to get bigger in the future. Okay, you're right. Uh, much leaner operation here for the uh, Fairland-based uh, telecoms player, that uh, being MTN. And uh, if you just joined us, I'm in conversation with Norwant Limtombeni, uh, who's an analyst at Emergence Investment Managers. We're taking a look at the top business stories that have been moving markets on this Thursday. And markets continue to be battered as they are by uh, the uh, fallout of a novel coronavirus. But uh, something interesting is happening in Ireland, and uh, we certainly know uh, the Irish uh, certainly love their tipple, and uh, where a gin maker has uh, started to dabble in the world of sanitizer. And we'll continue and take a look at that particular story with Nolwandle on the other side of this brief break. Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to a Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro with myself, Ayabong Atgawa. We're taking a look at uh, the uh, top business stories that are moving markets on this Thursday. And uh, joining me to uh, do this is uh, Nolwa Antlim Tombeni. She's an analyst at Emergence Investment Managers. And uh, we uh, took a look at uh, what had happened there with MTN, the sale of uh, ATC joint ventures amounting to just uh, over 8.9 billion rand uh, in uh, proceeds on the back of that uh, disposal of assets as they try and uh, fix their balance sheet. But uh, the other piece of corporate news, and Oluantle, that uh, certainly uh, caught my eye today, was uh, African Rainbow Capital. Now, uh, this is the um, entity uh, led by, uh, I think it's one Johan van Sale, Johan van Merwe, and uh, 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 Patrice Mutsepe, with investments in Alexander Forbes, investments in Rain, investments in Time Digital Bank. And, uh, yeah, they're saying, uh, ruling out all... Uh, share buybacks here to try and, I guess, uh, narrow the discount between their market capitalization and uh, uh, the, um, I guess, the sum of of the value of their investments uh, in each of the investee companies. Just maybe explain that to me. I mean, wh- why would that be an issue for an entity to have, uh, I guess, uh, you know, to be trading at a discount to their market capitalization or even to the net asset value of the company? So I think there's a typical happens within a holding company. So if you're a holding company, all you basically do, you have different stakes in, in different companies. Yes. So you know, ultimately, you don't actually have any personal involvement in terms of strategically driving the, the movement or what's happening in the business. Yes. And it's usually that's what happens to these companies. They have small stakes, and some will have large controlling stakes. Um, but for many of these, they don't. So, you know, you kind of, you know, you pay management to, you know, do not really do anything, but just oversee or sit on the board. So, you know, they will trade typically at a, at a, at a holding premium discount. And this, typically how it is for normally for holding companies. Um, the same is true with the, you know, Tencent and, and, and Nasdaq. You know, that's the exact same thing. And we'll have it with many structures, RMH and Remgro. Because ultimately, you know, you're buying, you know, you have to also have a discount because some of these um, entities are traded in a listed environment, but you're entering them a different vehicle. Mm. So what's been happening in the last over 18 months is that, you know, it's happened across all um, holding companies, is that that discount has widened. And I know, you know, the likes of, of, of Nasdaq, you know, had one of the reasons why it unbundled and, and, and created purchases to close up that discount of 10 cents. But you'll find across the board, across the spectrum, that there's been a widening. And at this kind of environment, for a company management to go and do buybacks, um, you know, under the assumption that it's going to result in a in a in a, in, in the discount closing up, mm. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think discounts, the wide discounts, are here to stay and for quite a while, especially when the company has got a small free float and it's a small cap. Mm. So because then you're messing up with the with the, with the liquidity 
and that's not good for any any company that wants yeah. to see um a super value. So, no, right, so I, mean, maybe I guess the other issue is is that you know uh, a company like uh, you know ARC just from a price discovery perspective isn't only invested in some of the listed players. There's a few unlisted uh, you know privately owned entities uh, where the discovery of I guess prices or even the value at which those ideally should be trading is probably a lot less clear than what would be happening in the listed space how, how does that complicate things so and that's a very you know good point you know that right now it's even worse because obviously they've got a lot of unlisted entities in the portfolio now and that discounts at 80 percent but we don't actually have the investment for the for the underlying businesses because yes. obviously the outlook for those business now has to be materially worse as we said now, compared to when they reported for the 31st of December. Mm. So even within that, obviously those evaluations now are subject to management, um, management, you know, you know, perception and guidance, and and their input, which which we don't know, and which could change, which materially would have changed between now and then. Mm. So obviously the market is also now pricing in the current outlook you know, the current outlook and not previous previous performance. Yeah. And they so obviously I think, you know, once everything everything will catch up eventually. Um, I imagine when they report uh, when they report in the half year, although there's like a seventy six percent discount now, it will be narrow because the NAV itself will re- mm. be more reflective of the sure. current environment. Okay. Talk to me about uh, the story now coming out if if we were to leave company news for a second. The story coming out of uh, Ireland here. Now, I certainly know the Irish uh, certainly can drink anybody under the table, I can tell you that. But it seems now that uh, distillery that, um, you know, um, erstwhile made gin is now turning, uh, I guess, uh, the volume up uh, on the alcohol to make sanitizer. Tell me, tell me what's happening here. So, I mean, it's a very, you know, altruistic venture by them to, you know, I mean, obviously they're a distillery and alcohol is a key product in, in terms of, of course, hand, hand sanitizers. And the typical alcohol context that would be appropriate for sanitizers and this for, to deal with coronavirus would be around 64%. So what they're doing is that they're shifting production away, mm. some of it away from making the gin and using it to take the inputs into that and using it to create sanitizer. And this is obviously because of the increased demand in sanitizers given the, the, the pandemic that's currently going on. And through that, they've been supplying to anyone that needs it and they're doing it. Mm. And, you know, they are. They're seeing, you know, that the world needs, you know, need more hand sanitizers. And for them, it's, you know, it's, it's no additional cost. And sure. I mean, it is a cost associated to it, but they're just breaking even. So yeah. they're not even trying to make profits out of it. Um, they're just, you know, covering costs. And that's all they need to do, um, which is ultimately, this is, you know, PR at its best. You know, okay. <laughs> it is. I mean, it is. It's pure. No, definitely. I mean, yeah. look, mm. by the time this thing blows over, uh, they will certainly yeah. have pride of place in the hearts of many people there as a provider yeah. of, uh, I guess, um, alcohol, alcohol with a relatively lower volume than uh, what mm. what one would find in a sanitizer. Before I let you go, Nolwandi, I guess the big story of the day today had to come from the South African Reserve Bank. And, uh, you know, uh, as I was listening to Lesecha Khanyakho, I... I think a lot of people prior to this announcement felt that this, you know, the challenge of the COVID-19 would have an over-influencing impact on the decisions of the Monetary Policy Committee. And yes, this decision might have been unanimous, but I got a sense that uh, the tone of the message was that, yes, COVID influenced our decision, but there's a wide array of other factors that have given us the space to, to go for a monetary policy that is a bit more accommodating. Yes, so I mean, within this speech, you mentioned that in terms of the QPM, which is the quarterly um, prediction model, this is the model that the SOF, you know, usually uses to project where inflation is going yes. and how it should cut rates. 
that only predicted a 25-pips cut in the next three quarters. So, you know, in terms of what the model was saying, um, they, 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 they overshot what they, even the old model was saying. Mm. So from that perspective, the model was not saying that. Um, but the good thing is that the model has been wrong over the last couple of quarters in terms mm. of predicting inflation. So the market has seen this QPM and they've been challenged on this that it's probably not great forecasting and that you shouldn't place so much reliance on it because mm. they have obviously... You know, inflation is undershot every time they 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 you know made the the model using the prediction of the model. Yeah. Is this a case so of I beating the model until it is able to give you the kind of answers you're looking for, or is it a case of uh, I guess things changing so rapidly that even the assumptions that the model was based on are no longer suitable? It's definitely a combination of both. Mm. So you know, the one thing obviously you know the the, the swab remains very hawkish, and you know they obviously will you know, in terms of the projections they obviously quite hawkish in terms of the expectations around inflation. And at the same time, the market has moved very quickly. Um, but not all the elements of the market have moved co- very quickly, um, especially with regards to on a quarterly pre- pre- projection, you can you know can, you can see kind of a quarter out, you know, where these things are going. And you can use inflation. I mean, many people argue that the, the, even the fundamentals were showing they should have started cutting a long time ago, but they were so hawkish that they weren't. So it's definitely a combination of those two things for for Novosibirsk in terms of this decision. But whether there were other ultimates, other factors, no, I, I don't think so. I think they had most of the you know this cut should have been a 25 pips cut according to their model. Um, even if you were going to be you know they'll be more be more dovish, you would have just said you know 75. But they went all the way to you know I mean 100. Mm. So you know the overlay that's coming from Corona is much more than they they obviously going to downplay it. But definitely, um, you know, you know, you know, this, the finance minister, I imagine, had a very long conversation, and you know, <laughs> that 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 played a big part in terms of what came out of today, because it surprised the market. Not a single economist um, had 100 percent and 100 bits cut. I mean, we were joking about it this morning. Definitely nobody. And to, for this this Reserve Bank to surprise to the upside by that much, it shows that other factors were definitely at play. We'll have to leave it there, uh, Luanja. I certainly uh, had a, a few tidbits that I, I wanted us to pursue, but unfortunately we have run out of time and uh, we'll no certainly time. have an opportunity with many of our listeners to engage on some of those. But thank you very much uh, for your time. That there was uh, Nolwandle Mtumbeni, analyst at Mergence Investment Manager, speaking to us.